Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, there's so much in it. Chapter 11, frankly, is one that I've been kind of, I wouldn't say dreading, but it's not one that you get really excited about because this first part of 1 Corinthians 11 is just really politically incorrect. And I know you can't tell that I worry about that one bit, but I... It is. It's, a, it's an awkward passage in some ways. There probably isn't another church in the country that's teaching on this passage today. Most pastors avoid it like the plague because there's so much in here. This whole business of the man being the head of the woman and Christ is the head of the man and God's the head of Christ and, and women with their heads uncovered without veils and men with long hair being a disgrace and Oh, you know, something about the angels and all. And you just look at it and go, oh, my goodness, what's this about? And for most people, they just take it and chalk it up to Paul had a problem with women. And so <laughs> let's just forget everything Paul says. He's a misogynist, and we'll just, you know, let it go at that. Or we just go, well, culturally, this is just who knows. We'll just forget it. But I believe there are some important truths that we need to face in this passage regarding the roles of men and women. Specifically, he's talking about their roles within the church, but there are some things that we can learn that help us across the board in terms of relating to each other. So let's just dive right into it, beginning with verse 2. Paul says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now, traditions is a poor translation there. All he's saying is, everything that I've communicated to you, all the exhortations I've made to you from the Lord, so far you guys are hanging in there. When I give you advice, you're accepting it and taking it. But the reason he's saying that as an introduction is he's going, but wait till you hear this one. (laughs) This is not that easy to deal with. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Sounds like, just on the surface, okay, you've got God up here, man's a little bit below God, and woman is picking up the rear down here, kind of man is in the way so that she can't get to God. Now, we certainly know that God doesn't see women as second-class citizens, and neither did Paul. Over in Galatians chapter 3, Paul talked about the fact that as far as God's concerned, there's no such thing as bond or free, Jew or Gentile. There's no such thing as man or woman, that we're all equal before God. So that's true. At the same time, the Bible makes it very clear that in the conducting of the church, there are specific roles and relationships that are to take place. An elder, the leader of the church, is to be a man. He's the husband of one wife. Now, that's a role that, it's not that it's kept from women because, you know, they aren't good enough at it, as I'll share with you a little bit later. It might be because women would be too good at it. But he sets up this connection where when it comes to the running of the church, men need to hear from God. Now, this isn't a statement of, inequality at all, because it says that, you know, God is the head of Christ, but Christ is God. 
But within the relationship of the Trinity, Jesus chose to follow the leading of the Father in terms of the plan of salvation. He had to. He couldn't follow himself because he was going to become a man and take on the limitations of humanity. And then ultimately to die. And so he had to say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But they're certainly equal in every way. Philippians 2 says that Jesus didn't hang on to that equality at that point. But Jesus did what needed to be done. He filled the role that he needed to play. Now, in terms of that, the Bible makes it pretty clear. You can check on 1 Timothy chapter 2 to read more on this. But when it comes to the leading of the church... There, is a, there needs to be a man or men who are connecting to God in such a way that that ministry can flow down through the women. And most of you women know that God has certainly used men in your lives, has used men who wrote books and who teach Bible studies to minister to you. There's no doubt about it. Now, again, this isn't saying, oh, you can't go straight to God. You need to you know, go through your husband to get to God. No, it's in the order of the church. God has set up a relationship whereby everyone needs to know what their role is and what their job is, and they do what's good for everyone as they fulfill that role. Now, as we look on, he says, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. What does that mean? In those days, in most of the pagan religions, the men would wear a secretive sort of veil. Oh, it was in the guise of humility, really, but it became a very fancy, flowery sort of thing. You see this in some segments of Christianity today, where the guy has to have the right hat on to show who he is. But Paul said, you guys don't have to do that. You're connected directly to Jesus Christ. And the way the pagans put on the big hat so that you know somehow they're shielded from God, there's a barrier between them and God, he says, it's a shame if you do that. That's not what God wants you to do at all. It's a, it, don't do that. Don't act like the pagans do. Don't drape yourself in mystery. Don't Treat yourself with a distance. There are sometimes people who think that, you know, for a pastor, for someone who's leading others, you need to keep a certain mystery about it, a distance. Don't let them know exactly who you are. Play a role. Paul would say, no. If you're called to lead, it's not to perform. It's not to conceal. There's nothing that you have really to hide. You're, you're connected to the God who made you. Don't hide that. Don't cover it up. But, he says, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. So, why is it that a man wasn't supposed to wear the veil, but a woman was to keep her head covered? Well, again, you have to understand their pagan practices. For one thing, it, you know, in, in Judaism, the women didn't have any kind of role in public worship, basically. But in Christianity, it was obvious that that was different. And so the women were, even as he says here, and he doesn't criticize the fact that the women were prophesying, 
that is speaking to edification, exhortation, and comfort. They would have a word of encouragement to the church, or a woman would lead in prayer. He didn't have a problem with that. But he said, when she does it, she needs to keep her head covered. Now, in their culture, women everywhere wore veils, wore head covering, except if you were a, a sleazy woman, if you were a prostitute or something, they would walk around just for the sake of shock. They would actually, not only wouldn't they wear a veil, they would shave their head. Go, you know, like anyone who does something that just cries out, look at me, look at me. And in their pagan worship, so often the priestesses or the prophetesses in pagan worship would be nothing more than glorified prostitutes. And they incorporated prostitution into their worship. Now, the way this worked is obviously they were used to seeing women in a veil. So you'd go to a pagan temple and there's a woman in a veil, but then she starts doing a strip tease and pulling her veil off and then uncovering herself and while people cheered, and, and apparently that practice was starting to come into play within Christian worship, that the women were taking the opportunity to show off, to show their beauty, to get up and dance and prance before everyone else and uncover themselves and say, look at me. Now, why the difference between women being covered and men being not covered? Well, I'm not sure, and there are a lot of answers I don't have for this passage of Scripture, but my guess is that women are just plain better looking than men. And for the most part, I know there are some guys with the metro look and everything who are looking pretty good, and, you know, but f for the most part, on it, and there are some women who certainly can't quite pull off that look, but... <laughs> But for the most part, women, and, and a lot of times we say it, we see it as, we say, oh, men are more visually stimulated because men will look at a woman and get excited. A woman doesn't do that so much with a man. But I don't think it's so much that men are visually stimulated and that women are stimulated other ways. I just think it's that men are uglier than women. And so as a result, there's just, we're not much to look at. So... But for a woman, a woman can have just stunning beauty. And sometimes you'll see a woman and just, wow, look at her. She can fix herself up so well and the hair and everything, it all comes together. And in church, that could be a problem where all of a sudden you're going, wow, instead of worshiping and looking to the Lord. I, when I come up here, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I... <laughs> I I really doubt if it's a problem for you women. I, you know, it's just like, wow, look at that. Now, there may be some warped individual here who, you know, but for the most part, stumbling's not a problem for my physical beauty. But on the other hand, there are women who would come up here and you wouldn't hear anything they would say. Well, I think God kind of acknowledges that and says, you know, we really need to focus. So for a man, if a man pulls something over him, it's not that now he can focus on God. Mostly if a man pulls something over him, he can then think about something else. You'd be in there watching a football game, you know, with a veil over your head on a little TV set, you know. So he goes, no, man, I need your undivided attention. Get the hat off and let's just really focus on who you're connected to.
in terms of Jesus. And for the woman, he's going, you're looking good. In fact, you're looking a little too good. Can you chill out a little bit? Can you tone it down? Can you be careful? The scripture, especially in, a, in relationship to being involved in ministry. Now he goes on. For a man indeed, verse 7, ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. That sounds like he's saying it was man who was created in the image of God. But woman wasn't created in the image of God. Woman was created after man's image. The problem is when you read Genesis, when, when it says that they were created in the image of God, he specifically says male and female created he them. He created them in the image of God, male and female. Because the truth is, there isn't one sex or the other that can adequately and accurately depict all of the characteristics of God. And so biblically, there are male metaphors used of God, calling him a father. But there are also feminine characteristics that are used as metaphors for God. For instance, calling him a a mother hen gathering his chicks and things like that. Because there are characteristics that naturally more or less develop within men and women as we are different. And you need the whole picture in order for it to express God in all of his character. You know, if you're talking about God judging sin and, and, and uh, you know, yielding his wrath, there are some women who can do that on occasion. But for the most part, when you think of, of even the rowdiest woman, even a roller derby queen, compared to like Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed up as a gladiator or something, obviously one picture is a little more intimidating than the other. On the other hand, there are some men who are very sensitive. But for the most part, if you're thinking sensitive, you're not thinking of guys. But see, God is as sensitive as the most sensitive woman, but he is also as strong and and capable in, in a physical way and in every other way than any man. And so the image of God and the glory of God only comes about when men are men and women are women. And as we together can depict the glory of God, here the exhortation is, men, you aren't showing the glory of God because you are not acting as your half of that which is the image of God. So the exhortation is, men, act like a man. Our society is just completely neutering men to a great degree. And the truth is, Christianity does that a lot. You know, there are very few things that just feel really manly about Christian worship even. Often, you know, as a man, you're sitting there singing a song and go, I can't even do this if I think about it because it's a sweet, syrupy little love song to Jesus like he's your boyfriend. And the metaphor starts breaking down and I I get physically ill all of a sudden. I realize I'm driving in my car singing along with a song about feeling Jesus' neck on my breath and I'm like... I mean, breath on my neck, and I'm like, that's not the way I connect to God, really. Like I'm snuggling up to a guy. It's just, you know, and, and so the exhortation is, you know, God made us in his image, but he made men to be men, and he made women to be women. And unless they will both fulfill their role the way they're designed, 
problems occur, without a doubt. Now he goes on and says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. He's going back to Genesis where Adam was created, and after everything else that God created, he said, he saw it and it was good. But when he saw a man, he goes, this isn't good. It's not good that a man would be alone. A man by himself is a dangerous thing. And so he realized, I need to give a woman to him. And so he's appealing to that and saying, that's the way it happened originally. Now he says, as he goes on, um, verse 10, for this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. That's a difficult one to understand. And I, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what the whole angel thing has to do with it. They couldn't even make the playoffs. I don't know why women should be worried about them. But... Um, <laughs> There are different theories. Some people have said when that angels, and there are scriptures that talk about angels watching us and looking at our salvation and being amazed at what God has done for us. There are other scriptures that talk about angels celebrating when one person repents and comes to the Lord. So angels are watching us. And so it may be that when an angel sees a woman who isn't fulfilling the role that God has designed, that the angels are just going, oh, what a shame. It may also be a reference to the fallen angels who would not take the place that God had designed for them, and as a result, it led to such a mess as, as then the group of angels, a third of them probably fell along with Satan, and maybe he's saying, hey, maybe you ought to think about the nature of rebellion before you allow yourself to appear to be a rebellious person. But I'm not totally sure what it means. But verse 11, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor woman independent of man in the Lord. Again, he's saying, you need each other. I'm not saying, yeah, guys win, women lose, or the opposite. You're not independent. Men need women. Women need men. For, verse 12, as woman also came from man... Eve, as she was taken out of man. Even so, man also comes through woman. Only way to get into this world, I don't care how manly you are, is to come through a woman. (laughs) But all things are from God. Everything is from God. So he says, judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So he says, look, isn't this even sort of common sense? I mean, don't you look at a guy that looks like a girl and go, that's just not quite right. Or a girl that looks like a guy and go, something's the matter here. You're even acting too much, getting gender confusion that's going on. He's going, it's common sense. Now, he says long hair. You can tell it's a shame. You ought to know it by nature. In those days, men would never wear long hair. And so, you know, I remember wearing long hair, believe it or not, when I was younger. And boy, getting so much guff from people in the church about, you know, if a man has long hair, you know, it's a shame But now I look at my hair and I go, this is a shame. (laughs) This is disgraceful. (laughs) But 
The idea is men be men, women be women. If you can wear long hair as a man but still look like a man, by all means wear it. I mean, that's, as long as you're ugly enough to pull that look off, it's okay. But, but the idea is, come on, some of these things ought to be common sense to you. Do you really want to not be who you are, who you were created to be? God has roles for all of us. Now, all of that being the case within the church, remember, he's not talking about life even at home. He's certainly not talking about life on the job. If you want to be a strong woman and be a CEO of a corporation or whatever, hey, fine, go ahead. You know, this isn't about that. But within the church, God says, I want you to reflect my glory. And that means there are certain things that won't be seen unless women are women. There are other things that won't be seen unless men are men. And that's the way God chooses to run it. And in leadership in the church, he's chosen always to use men in that role. Now, that brings up a good question. Why? Is it because men are smarter than women? Of course not. There's no way. Is it because men are more prone to leadership? No, they really aren't. The truth is, women are way more equipped to lead a church than men are. Women are closer to the Lord. Women tend to be more spiritually oriented. Not every woman, but as a whole, they have that, all of those qualities that are absolutely necessary in order to represent the Lord in a way that you'd say, yeah, that's ministry. That's God's heart. That's what we need. For a man, we're not so good at it. The truth is most men would just as soon not lead. Most men would rather follow. It's why when you're going to go out to eat, a man's first thought is, where do you want to go? Well, where do you want to go? I don't even care. Just Let's just go somewhere. I know if I pick, you're not going to like it. So... Let's just, why don't you lead? Uh, most men are more than happy to be led. That's why they do so well in sports, because sports is all about following the leader. And most men don't want to be the leader. Most men aren't, you know, just obsessed. There are some men who are just obsessed with power, but most men are more than happy to be left alone. Most men... If it's their day, they would just as soon, you know, sit in a recliner and watch a football game. You go, so often we think, oh, you know, let's do something special for him on his birthday. So let's make him go do a bunch of girly stuff. <laughs> you know, if it's a guy's birthday, leave him alone. <laughs> He'll be okay, really. So why does God take people like us and go, okay, you're the guys that are going to lead my church? Because we don't want to do it. Because it's impossible for us to really care the way we're supposed to. We don't think that way. We don't connect in that way. And that, I think, is precisely the point. Men, God is calling us to do some things that don't come naturally to us. He calls us to lead in our families. When we would just as soon let the woman lead, let the kids lead. We don't care. So he goes, okay, good. I know you feel that way, so now what I'm calling you to do is to lead. But it's such a stretch. Exactly. And you will have to depend on the Lord. Now, for a woman, 
For her to be the submissive, when I hear people say all the time, women are just naturally submissive. What woman have you, are you talking to? I, there's, no, there's no woman that's naturally submissive. It's like, oh, we wouldn't have to beat them if they were naturally submissive. Oh. Okay, leave that out of the tape for the radio. But the truth is, women are natural leaders. One of them can't go to the bathroom without three others going with them. So, and women, when it comes to, I mean, all you have to do is go to one women's ministry event and then go to one men's ministry event. It's like, okay, who's going to get the pizza for the men's? There's no decorations. There's no, it's like, because there's nobody there to lead. Women, man, they frill it up. They fix it up. They do it nicely. That comes naturally. But to submit, well, that's hard. And I don't blame it you for it being hard. I mean, I wouldn't submit to someone like me either. And yet God says, but Dave, you're the pastor. And I wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, and I'm like, oh, man, I am so tired. It took me five hours to get across the border, Mexico, last night. And I'm like, oh, all, you know, sleeping in would be so nice. But God says, but Dave, you're the pastor. Yeah, but I could just let two or more go a little longer. And he goes... No, you know, people come, they need to hear the Bible, they need, and, and so it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, even though I know that it's going to make women and men both mad at me by the time I'm done. I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> offender, but somebody has to do it, and so I'm going to do it, but it's not because, oh, I'm such a leader, not at all. It's because God told me I have to do it, and so I'm going to be faithful to speak the truth. Why? Because I answer to him. He's my head, and I need to follow him. For women, they're called to do something that does not come naturally to them, to be the glory of their man if they're married, to be supportive in such a way. The women designed to decorate the church, make it look good so that when people will come in here and, and get saved, Women to do those things in encouraging men, going, come on, you can do it. That's what Anne in the morning when I'm leaving, she's like, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but, but I know she's behind me. I know she'll be mad if I don't go to church. And, and, I, and, and she also makes me feel comfortable. I can be myself with her, and that frees me up to just really do what God has called me to do, even though I'm not that naturally good at it at all. I'm a really shy person. It goes totally against my nature to get up in front of people. But i got to do what God tells me to do. And for women to take that role of being a supportive one, to take that role of going, your job is to support someone who doesn't deserve it, your job is to help someone who will disqualify themselves over and over again, and yet, hey, you will find your greatest role being supportive, being encouraging, being helpful. I know you could lead the church better than we could, and we'd probably submit much better than you do. But the truth is, things get all turned around. When men won't act like men, when women won't act like women, and so Paul is laying this out to go, come on, men, get your hat off and step up to the plate and be a man. Get your manhood back. Quit being such a wimp. 
with being so such a bad example, you need to be the leader of your home spiritually. You need to be involved in ministry in the church because you're a man. I know because you're a man, you'd rather not do it, but come on, get back up there and be a man. Do it. I don't care if you want to or not. You need to do it. And his exhortation to women is, I know you could take over. I know that you have the gift of nagging in a way that you're right. You're obnoxiously right most of the time. But, and I said this once at a youth pastor's conference and gotten a lot of hot water over it, but I said, it's time for men to stand up and be men, and it's time for women to sit down and shut up. But it's, I don't think that's exactly the spirit of this. Now, women have so much to offer. What would the church be like without women? What would ministry be like without them? What, what are men like without them? <laughs> Look at single guys. You'll get the picture. But <laughs> Sorry, single guys. But the challenge from Paul is understand you are different. Understand that God has called you to do some things that you are unqualified for, that don't come naturally to you. But that's the point. You need to rely on him. You need to connect to him. Guys, you cannot afford to have something between you and God. You can't afford to have your job become your veil. You can't afford to have your sports or your toys or your electronics to become your veil. Get the veil off. Don't let anything stand between you and God. And for women, I know we're a mess, but work with us. Be supportive. Don't take over. Don't say, well, if, I'm, if you're not going to do it, somebody has to, so I'll do it. Take your place. It's a place of beauty. It's a place of, well, such attraction and such glory comes with just being the person that God has made you. He goes on to say, well, in verse 15, if a woman has long hair, it's a glory for her. Women are to be attractive. They are to attract, though, in a way that elevates everyone. Verse 16, if anyone seems to be contentious, you want to fight about it? We have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. He goes, look, I'm just telling you this is how it works everywhere I've seen it. Everywhere I've seen it, when the women start to take over, everyone loses. Every time I've seen it in all the churches, anywhere, if women start to rule and if men are wimps, it doesn't work out so well. I might add, in every family, this is true too. If a man gives up his manhood, that's a bad thing. And I think it's an epidemic in our society today. Men just aren't being men. And as a result or maybe just alongside of that, women don't really want to be women. The message of the word is find the place that God has for you, and you do what God has called you to do. In your family, among your friends, in the church of Jesus Christ, find your place. Don't get outside of that which God has called you to do. He's in control. He's the Lord. So just be who he has made you, be who he has called you to be, and everyone will benefit as a result. Let's pray. Lord, you had a great plan when you designed men and women. It really works when it works. 
When we disobey you, we sure foul it up. So God, help all of us as men to truly get rid of anything that comes between us and you. Dump the veil. Lord, help the women to be willing to not be the center of attention, but to, in, in humility and in faith and trust in you, to take their place, their family, to take their place in the body of Christ. <coughs> Lord, just to be who you've made us. Teach each of us what you want us to hear from your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.